This conference will now be recorded. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tara. Um, thanks, everyone. Uh, we're excited uh, for our second session today um, of our Go Beyond Sales Leadership Program. Uh, we have an awesome opportunity to uh, have Keith Rosen here with us. Um, some of you may remember from Sales Kickoff, we had a great opportunity to have some, some really great feedback and conversation with Keith um, around coaching. As part of our continued development in this sales leadership program and investment in each one of you, we are really, really excited to have not only more additional time today with Keith, um, we're going to spend some time talking about some of those next steps specifically as it relates to the transformational leadership coaching uh, workshops that we're going to be taking you through as an organization to help all of us get better at probably one of the most important things we do as managers, which is coaching our people and investing in our people and helping them reach the career trajectories and just the general human element of helping people get better is understated and how important it is in creating, you know, we hear about the term culture a lot to me, a coaching culture is one of the best things that we can create here at GoTo and continue to strive for. So we are going to dive right in a couple things as a reminder. I know Dave mentioned this earlier. Um, I've always found it to be super engaging uh, with a couple of things. First and foremost, um, turn your cameras on as much as you can. I understand some people may be cars doing whatever, um, but I do think it's super important to create an engaging session that we can all see each other and feel each other's presence in a virtual world. Also, we are going to have um, some time for open Q&A. That does not mean that you should not put commentary into the chat. Um, if you have questions, please raise your hand. We want this to be very, very interactive. A term I like to use a lot with people is formally informal. Um, we, we do have some great questions that we're going to talk with Keith about. We'll also have some time. So if questions pop in your head um, that you would like to uh, have Keith answer, uh, we have about an hour today uh, to spend time answering some of these questions and having the ability to do that. And as an always general, just reminder, uh, please mute when you're not talking, um, especially if you're enjoying like a bag of chips or something like that, that we all get to. I hope you get to enjoy them, but hopefully uh, we don't all have to enjoy them with you. So with that being said, just remember to mute when you're not talking. So with that being said, before we kind of jump into some of the questions, um, I want to take a quick moment to really talk about Keith and just set some stage as to why we have um, Keith Rosen here with us, because it's such a great opportunity that we do. So I do want to set the stage and then Keith, keep me honest. Um, this is your opportunity to brag a, a little bit on yourself, so keep me honest. But just from a background perspective, um, Keith comes with a fantastic, fantastic pedigree as the CEO of Profit Builders, um, as really what we like to call the Chief Evolution Officer. And part of the reason why what he has done for organizations all over the world is his ability to really create best-in-class coaching training programs for companies. And not only is Keith just, he's not the latest kind of flavor of the week. And I think that that's really, really, really important. He really is the pioneer when you think about the leadership coaching training and everything that he's delivered over the last several years. I'll, uh, I'll let you date yourself, Keith. That's a, that's territory I don't want to weigh, uh, wade into right now. But uh, with that being said, um, he's been named by people like Inc. Magazine and Fast Company as one of the five most influential executive coaches on the planet. That's super, super powerful. Um, he's been on Mad Men, um, if you are familiar with that show. Um, we're just super excited um, to have a lot, a lot of just absolutely wealth of knowledge when it comes to coaching uh, here today with us with Keith. So Keith, we're excited to have you sit down with us and our sales leadership, spend some time today with your best knowledge and get us excited for those transformational leadership workshops. 
Let's do it. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Um, we are going to uh, dive right in here. And like I said, as you guys listen and are participating, feel free to put commentary into the into the chat. Uh, we'll be trying to, to, to monitor that. Um, the last 15 minutes or so, we'll probably have some open Q&A, but feel free. We can monitor the chat uh, for those as well. But, um, you know, Keith, I think as we get started, um, as we think about kind of the end result of this is getting people uh, not only excited, but a little bit more informed on the transformational leadership workshop that we're going to be taking them through, you know, I think we live in a world and I think at GoTo sales leaders, you can keep me honest here. One of our core values is we move fast. We move really, really, really fast. And in a world of moving fast, that can sometimes feel very, very, very chaotic for, you know, sometimes it feels like we're just trying to maintain a daily routine and raise your hand or feel free to react. If, if any of you as leaders feel like, or individual contributors on the call, you're just moving at the speed of light on a daily basis, just because that's what we do as an organization. Yeah, I think I can, hopefully every hand goes up. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've all felt that before. Um, one of the things I think is important as we think about this, and I'm gonna put this first question here on the board is, how can sales leaders, Keith, in your experience, manage their time effectively to ensure that they are making adequate time for what we refer to as coaching. How has been some of your experience around that or, or intention? You know, it, it's interesting you asked me that as the first question uh, because uh, as you were sharing that, I wrote down here, maybe we need to shift the topic here from sales leadership to time management and self-mastery <laughs> because that's one of the I things- I think it's all that, inclusive. You know, we struggled with that three years ago. Now today, and I got guys listen to this comment I'm going to make. I want you to I want you to think about it. Just reflect. Are you living at work or are you working at home? Think about that. If you're living at work, that implies you're not setting strong boundaries. Um, and you're not able to distinguish between your personal time and your professional time. And as a result, all the personal benefits, the things that you love to do, your hobbies, exercising, always seem to take a backseat to that because we're moving so fast. And when I hear that, I would challenge every company, and I do. I said, what would happen if you didn't move so fast? Think about the things you're stepping over because you're moving so fast. And I think this ties directly into your question, Chris, is, okay, well, if we're moving so fast, then how do we make the time for coaching? So yeah. I think we need to even the playing fields first. Uh, if we went around the room right now and I asked every single person what your definition of coaching is, while there would be some overlap, we would not hear the same two exact responses. So I just want to make everyone's life super easy right now. I'm going to give you a very, very simple definition of coaching, not giving you the academic one. This is something you could remember every day, all the time. Keep it in front of you. Here we go. You ready? Coaching is the art and language of creating new possibilities. That's it. So keep in mind, 
your job is challenging enough. I get it. My job is not to make your job harder. My job is to make your, your job and your life more engaging, more efficient, happier, less stress, more balance. Okay. Because again, there's no more line between here's work, you know, and here's my personal life. No, it's all just life. So everything blends together. So when it comes to, uh, in terms of making time for coaching, when I'm asked that question, uh, I find that companies don't get coaching, um, especially the definition I share. Because in every conversation, you are creating a new possibility or you're driving your own agenda, okay? Let me say that in a different way. If you're coaching, you're waking up excited to start your day and excited about the impact and the work you can do. If you're waking up feeling heavy and stressed, I can tell you now you're not coaching. Okay. So when people say, Oh, Keith, I don't have time to coach. That is the lie that we tell ourselves because we don't get what coaching is. Coaching is not an event. It's not like, oh my gosh, okay, here's my calendar. Um, now, granted, I would you know, strongly, strongly suggest you have to schedule those one-on-ones with your people. But what about every day? You're speaking to your people every single day, okay? They're coming to you with challenges and goals. You're going to them uh, with observations and things that they need to do or try or change to improve. Uh, and then, Matt, if you say, well, I don't have time for coaching, well, what do you think that is? Those are all coaching moments. So I always kind of chuckle when managers tell me, you know, Keith, I want my managers to coach 70% of the time. And I respond with, um, so you want your managers to coach 70% of the time. That's like saying you want your managers to breathe 70% of the time because every conversation is a coaching conversation. Now, if you're having a reaction to that and saying, Keith, no way, coaching takes too long. Well, then there's other opportunities for us to uncover how you can be more efficient and effective with your coaching. And it comes down to two things, being present and asking the right questions. And if you can do that, what winds up happening is, Rather than be the chief problem solver for everyone running around solving problems and putting fires out all day, which by the way, are not your fires. You've adopted them now. Okay. You can do that all day long, but you can't scale dependency. All right. You can't have a people, a line of people dependent on you for the answer. And your job here as leaders is to develop the future bench of leaders. You know, that's why there are some up and coming leaders here, which I love because now they're learning what they need to do to make that transformation from an IC, an individual contributor to, you know, a people manager. And that's a really, really difficult transition sometimes. So I think there's really two parts to this. I think number one, um, from, from the, the, the personal perspective, and we can call it one of the pillars of time management 
I want, I'm just going to ask you guys a question. You don't, you don't have to respond if you want, but how good are you guys at saying no? Now, I'm not talking about at home now because that's important, but I'm talking about saying no to your manager, saying no to your boss, saying no to your customers, saying no to yourself, saying no to your peers. And I'm not saying running around and people are asking, hey, can you help me with this? And you're saying no. What I'm saying is there is an opportunity there to set a boundary. And back to my point, if coaching is the art and language of creating new possibilities, then rather than just saying no, it's about managing the expected interruption. I mean, let's face it, you're going to be interrupted all day. And then, what, then we're surprised when we get this interruption. So what is the language you need to manage that interruption? It can sound as simple as this. You know, hey, John, um, I appreciate you coming to me. Uh, however, I'm right in the middle of finishing this proposal for ABC company. Um, I should be done with an hour. Uh, and I want to give what you need from me, the time and the attention it needs for us to work through this together. So is this something that we must, must handle right now? Or can this wait until I finish putting out that proposal for ABC company when we'll have more time to focus on what you need from me? Who's going to say no to that? Yeah. And here's the beautiful part. As managers and coaches, from the time you set that boundary to the time you then re-engage, what might happen? They solve the problem themselves because you gave them the space to do it. Because you give the space for people to, to solve their own problems, they'll do it. So again, moving fast, coaching is something that happens all the time because selling is a language, leadership is a language, and the language is coaching. Just like if you want to learn how to speak French or Italian or German or Urdu or any language, we are now learning the language of coaching. So in the most simplistic form, that's what coaching is. So if you go back and say, well, I don't have time to coach. Well, it's like saying you don't have time to talk. It's just the way you're now engaging with people to create new possibilities because it gets really, really old and monotonous driving your own agenda all day with the same answers and the same people coming to you. So you can argue that you don't have time to coach, but then you'll, you'll have all your people lined up for the rest of their career looking for answers from you. You take a few minutes extra to coach. Now notice what I said, guys, few minutes. And now you're solving that situation completely. There's your lesson on time management. Awesome. No, I, I thank you. That there was a, a lot of uh, awesome little nuggets in there that I, I know I was writing down as well. A couple of things that really stood out to me. What you said there, and I'll actually ask for because I think I, I think I got it. Would you feel comfortable repeating your definition um, of what coaching was? I think you know the art and language of new possibilities of creating new possibilities. But uh, did, did I hear that right? Because I don't know if anyone else. I thought that was really really great to hear that definition is, can you repeat that one more time? You know that the art and language of creating new possibilities. 
and, and just to make everyone's life even easier, anyone here want to guess what the definition of selling is? The art and language of creating new possibilities. See a connection here? I like what you did there. Like what you did there. <laughs> well, that's because you coached me on that. And the fact is, what people are doing today in sales, if they're not coaching their customers and they're doing what they did three years ago, your sales team is set up for failure. You can keep moving fast, but you could also keep moving fast in the wrong direction. You know, one thing that I see a lot of companies doing, oh, what's, what's the hottest topic, guys? It would probably take me three people for, for, to, to respond with AI. AI, the hottest topic. You see it everywhere. You read about it everywhere. You read about how it's going to positively impact business, negatively impact business. Um, my point is, is that, you know, when we're working with, with, with new concepts and new ideas, uh, those are the things that we need to be mindful of that we don't over-engineer and rely on as a way for us to expedite our business and revenue. Because adding more technology doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be more efficient and effective. And I will, and I will bet the proverbial farm, and it's what I'm just echoing, you know, what Chris said. Coach more. That's the most, the single thing, the single most effective thing for you to drive a successful team and create the culture you want. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think that's great. I also love the concept that you brought up of coaching is not an event that you schedule, right? I think that's kind of like, I always think of analogies, Terry, you probably heard me say this, so it's annoying. I love analogies. If you guys don't know that by now, I love analogies. And I always think of it like parenting. It's, imagine as a parent, if you said every Thursday at five from five to six is when I parent, that's not realistic. That's terrible parenting probably. Um, it probably sounds actually really great, especially as someone who has three kids under the age of 11, it would be nice to schedule an hour a week to parent. But I think coaching, that, that's what resonated with me, right? Is there a, so, Tom, we'll, get, we'll give you a pass on that one, or, or at least we can start a GoFundMe for therapy for your kids or something like that. We'll, we'll happily do that. But what I will say is I think is so important is the coaching is not an event. I actually, one of the things that time management tied to coaching, I think is awesome. I, I, that really resonated with me. And I hope everyone that had the opportunity to kind of internalize that, which is, is think about all the moments that present themselves each day about coaching. I also love the idea that you brought up of no with a why I'll go back to parenting, right? I, I think I'll put myself in the shoes of my children. Nothing frustrates them more when I just say no, but I don't tell them, explain the why behind it or give some level of feedback as to, hey, not right now, but here's what I can do and here's when I can do it. I think that sets proper expectations. I really, really, really like that. And it actually transitions um, into a, another question that I think is super relevant, right? One of the things is we, as an organization at GoTo, there's been a lot of transformation, a lot of change, so to speak, over the last six to seven months here at GoTo. And I think that's led to roles changing, teams changing, things changing, which once again, not, not a bad thing, but I also think there's also change management that comes with that. And one of the questions that, as you were saying that, I don't have a slide with this written down, so hopefully everyone pays attention, but I, I did want to ask it, right? 
with the change and the transformation of things that happens where we have sales leaders now who have sales team members that they in potentially inherited. We have sales that, that weren't someone they necessarily went out and hired. We have sales teams and sales leaders now where even roles within the organization may have changed what they were doing six or seven months ago. How can leaders in general really help re-enroll their teams and create that culture where maybe it wasn't necessarily, oh, I went out and hired all eight people that are on my team that are frontline contributors. I maybe inherited some, there's been some change here. How do you create that re-enrollment culture that you're kind of speaking of from a coaching perspective in a, in a situation like that? Whether you're uh, a salesperson who's moving up into a management position and now you're adopting a new team, whether you're uh, a manager who's, explain, who's working with a team and all of a sudden you're shifted to another team, or what about if you were a peer, which I know today, you're an IC, you're an independent contributor, you're, you're a salesperson working with your peers, and then what happens when you get promoted and the team that you're managing is the same team that you were working on? These are all big changes that we don't manage. And I wanna point out, because it's, it's really the essence of what, uh, I heard three times that, that, that Chris said, which is enrollment, enrollment, enrollment. And what's under enrollment is not the what, but the why. And that's the thing that leaders and salespeople step over. Here's what we're doing. Okay, great. Um, uh, why are we doing this, boss? Well, because that's what I was told, and that's what we're doing. You know, people want to keep their jobs, they'll listen. But think about the engagement. They don't know the why, and they certainly don't know the one single most important thing that they care about, which is what's in it for me. So if we talk about the language of enrollment, I'm going to give you a very, very simple model. In every conversation where you need to build trust, set trust, Reset trust, reset a relationship, have what may be perceived as a difficult conversation, because I don't believe in difficult conversations. And the reason why I don't believe in them is what we're talking about. What makes a conversation difficult? It's the assumptions that you're coming into that conversation with that then drive your behavior. So if I had a conversation with Chris or Tara last week and it went really bad, which by the way, has never happened. Okay. Uh, and, and now all of a sudden, oh my gosh, we have to do another debrief this morning. I know this is It's not going to go well. What did I just do? Past experience projected negative outcome. That's called an assumption. You know who the cousin or the sibling of assumptions are? Fear, past experience projected as a future expectation, and in both situations, what is missing to get real cerebral on you is the present. So one of the biggest challenges that, that is root cause to, I don't have time to coach, 
you know, got to drive business. I have them to performers, you know, they're not moving fast enough. Uh, it's because you're not present. You're always focused on what's next rather than what's now. And that's quite frankly, not your fault. It's an occupational hazard. It's a global conundrum. Every company is result driven. How can you not be result driven? You have a target on your back. The result lives in the future, which means you default is always going to focus on what's next. And the last time I checked, life happens here today. So if you're not present, let's go back and connect the dots. Coaching is the art and language of creating new possibility. Where does creation happen in the moment? Where do you create new possibilities? Well, not in the past and not in the future, in the moment. Active listening happens in the moment. Co-creation happens in the moment. So said a different way, if you don't work on being present, you can't coach. So uh, yeah. that's the, the one part that I, I wanted to add, get there because this will now transition to, okay, so let's talk about what it means if you're having a changing team. Okay. You can't just change the team because what happens, for example, if you now adopted a new team and the manager before that, let's say for lack of a better word, was toxic, right? So here we are. You are now shuffled, lots of, lots of, you know, change management going on, right? And uh, all of a sudden you're managing a new team. And what do you do? You just start managing them. And then those managers come to me and say, well, Keith, you know, half, part of the team is open to coaching. Part of the team is resistant and forget about my top performers. They don't even want to hear from me because here's what you didn't do. You didn't reset expectations because what your team is doing is making costly assumptions that the last manager who was not supportive okay what they do is they take their face and they put it directly on you and they're making the assumption that you're going to be the same manager as your as their prior one so you need to shatter that assumption by setting new positive intent what does that sound like? You miss, and by the way, guys, I'm sending you these templates, okay? So don't worry about writing them down. Uh, uh, Tara and, and you know, uh, Chris, they'll keep me honest. I'll make sure, I'll make sure I get, get everything to you. Uh, here's an example of what it could sound like. I am now adopting a new team. I am going to share with my team, hey, guys, listen, you know, I'm really excited about having the opportunity to support you and, and help manage the team so we can all achieve success. And what I want for you and what I want for the team is not only for us to achieve success at work, but also for you to achieve success at home. So uh, I would love to make sure that we're aligning our personal goals uh, with our professional goals so that you can see the value of being able to achieve your personal goals by achieving your professional goals. But here's the thing. 
I have no idea how you like to be managed. I have no idea how you like to be motivated. I have no idea how you like to be held accountable. Okay, I don't wanna make assumptions on that. And I don't know how you were managed in the past. So what I would love to do is sit down, have a conversation about what we can do to design our relationship uh, in the best way possible so that I could be the best manager for you. Are you open to having that conversation? Anyone here want to jump out and say, Keith, that wouldn't work? Of course it would work because what are you doing? You're making it about them. You're telling them why you're doing it and you're giving them the whiff of what's in it for me. Of course they want to be more successful. Of course they want to tell you what their goals are. Of course they want to have a trusted relationship with you. That's all reciprocated. But nothing changes without a conversation. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And so many things also to unpack from there, um, that, uh, that scenario too, because I think couple of the things that you brought up, right? And, and, and team that's on, feel free to raise your hand. I don't know, does anyone feel like a leader you fit into any of, you've had to have or wish you could have had or would like to have a conversation like the one Keith just referenced? I know I think as an individual contributor, I would love to have that conversation with a leader. As a leader of people, I think that's a great conversation to, to, to want to have with people um, because exactly like Keith said, and I want to tie it back to what you said earlier, Keith, because to me, the whole thing about trust, right? And the idea that assumption is the cousin of fear. I love that idea. And I don't know how many of you, and feel free to, to respond to this via, you know, thumbs up or whatever. Think about all of us were individual contributors at one point. No one just started in this role. Did anyone ever remember feeling like there, you, you just didn't know, or they kind of, you kind of were assuming things or things were being assumed. Has anyone ever felt that as an individual contributor? I think we all have, right? Once again, it's a little bit of a redundant question, but sometimes we catch ourselves to the point because we were led or supposedly coached that way. That's kind of the role we thrust ourselves into as leaders. And I really like what you said, Keith, about, you know, we, we my thought also went to let us break the chain of potentially bad coaching that happened to us as individual contributors and become the coaches we all hope that we would have had as leaders. Because to me, that's one of the things that really stood out with what you said about being present, right? Tomorrow will happen, but what, there's also a life happening today. The way we get better tomorrow is by helping coach today. I really like that. Those are some of the notes that I took. Um, it actually leads to a, to another thought that I had. And and, you and mentioned this. Oh yeah. No, please, please, please. On a build on just to, to really round out what you just shared is not only do these conversations reset or set your positive intent, which builds trust and engagement. I want you to think about that right now, you're probably assuming, wow, whether I'm an up and coming manager or I'm a manager, I can have this conversation with my team. Well, guess who else you can have the conversation with? Your peers, yeah. your manager. And here's the big one, you ready? Who's, who's clairvoyant? You're gonna guess what I'm gonna say? Your customers, think about it. How many times in life does one salesperson is managing an account 
things change, territories change, comp plans change, and all of a sudden that one salesperson who was managing the account is now moved to another account, quits or leaves or is promoted. Now there's a new salesperson in there. If you don't reset expectations, all that customer is thinking bad and good is that you're going to deliver the same way your priors appear to. It's another reset conversation you can do. So great stuff, great stuff. I just wanted to round that out. And um, yeah, thanks, Chris. Yeah, I love that. And I love that. And I actually wanted to call out Phil. Uh, Phil, I think your comment in the in the in the chat is so powerful, um, specifically around creating a mutually beneficial where the reps get to be involved in some of the ideas. It actually made me think of that concept of people are best convinced by reasons they themselves discover, right? Those are things we talk about doing with our customers on a daily basis. All of that interconnects with the human reaction, right? The human, we're all human. All of us are probably going to feel more bought in and embrace things more fully to your point when we feel like we're part of the decision versus being dictated, right? Um, Keith, as you mentioned that and Phil, your commentary made me think of the, the same thing we talk about with our customers relates very much to our our team members, which is telling feels like selling, asking feels like buying. Most people like to buy things. Most people don't like to be sold to. Um, even though the outcome is usually somewhat similar to your point, Keith, you mentioned this earlier, people will do things because we all want jobs. No one wants to lose their jobs. So if I'm asked to do something by my leader, even if I question it or don't feel like it's going to be beneficial, I will do it simply because I care enough about my job and my family that I'm probably going to do it regardless. But is it a good experience? Eh. Who knows? So love that. Love that your comment, Keith uh, Brinkerhoff, not Keith Rosen, about partners. I think that's great with partners too. And a lot of, we, we sell a lot through our partners and the ability to coach them sometimes is a great opportunity to expand just coaching, uh, coaching against individual contributors within our organization. Um, so I love that, love that, love that. I, I got to jump um, in. You just please, please jump in. Chris, that is so critical when it comes to managing partner channels that I have, and I've worked with, I'm not gonna say, I'm not pointing out whose partner channels are really effective, but I've come, companies like partner channels, what? Like Microsoft, Oracle, okay? Big partner channels, right? What I have noticed, and again, I'm not pointing it to them, there's a lot of companies, of course, that have this, that's how they sell and generate revenue, is that, Whatever the title is, BDM, business development manager, business partner manager, whatever the title is, what winds up happening, and again, I am simplifying this for the sake of the conversation, is that that partner account manager calls or meets with that partner. Hey, Mr. or Mrs. Partner, how are things are going? Oh, you know what? They're going pretty well. So, so how are we doing with, uh, with volume and our trajectories in terms of the goals that we set? Oh, you know, we're doing pretty good. We're doing okay. Is there anything you need from me that I could better support you to, to bring in more business? No, no, no. Everything's fine. Okay. Well, listen, it was a good conversation. Glad we connected. I'll talk to you next month. You just delivered zero value. In fact, you may have even hurt that relationship. Why? Because we never considered coaching them. Think about what Chris just said. 
there are, there are so many parallels between professional selling and coaching, which is why when I deliver my leadership coaching program, inevitably a manager would say, Keith, you know, you're talking about asking questions, but that's kind of what we do when we do discovery and we need to seek to understand. And of course we need to be present. Well, those all relate to sales too. And that's why the best salespeople today are the best coaches today. So uh, just wanted to jump back to that and uh, make sure that when you're having that conversation, you're always taking the time to reset. I'll make it even easier. If you're initiating a conversation and people are resistant, it means one thing. You didn't enroll them. And I have this little quote that's pretty powerful. When your intentions aren't clear, people default to fear. Okay? If I was your boss and sent you an email and in the title of the, in the, in, in the subject line it said, in all caps, call me ASAP with five exclamation points afterwards, you're not reacting with, my boss wants to tell me how awesome I am. No, you're going right to fear. You're like, oh my God, what did I do wrong? Am I going to be put on a pip? Uh, uh, did I just lose a client? Uh, you know, what is there a problem that I, that, that I caused internally? What did I do? We go right to fear. Then, of course, you call me and I say to you, you want to know what, Michael? I just wanted to take a minute to congratulate you on an unbelievable quarter. You started off slow. I know you had a lot of challenges up front with some of your clients, but you were very persistent. You were able to turn them around, build trust with them, and were able to hit your numbers this quarter. So I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge you and applaud your efforts. You didn't see that one coming, did you? Why? Because <laughs> when intentions aren't clear, we default to fear. So does your peers, your customers, your prospects, okay? And you. So that's why that enrollment of setting intent is, the, is really the foundation of building trust and alignment. So Chris, I just want yeah. to call. Yeah, as you mentioned that, no, I think that's great because as you said that, it also j just for 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 your um, kind of level setting from from even some of the earlier sessions that we had, what you just said I think is really relevant to some of the sessions that we had yesterday, specifically around like the territory planning and the one on one and the coaching and the monthly reviews. These are built if we can set those expectations. I love that, and I would I, I would challenge every one of us, including myself, to start thinking about that more intentionally, which is when intentions aren't clear, people default to fear. I think it makes life so much easier. And I know we even have some individual contributors um, that are on this call that were accepted into the program, which is awesome. And I would even ask you guys, would you guys, I, I mean, I, I would hope every one of us would agree that having clear intentions on what is being expected of you. Once again, I, my brain goes to all the different scenarios outside of this world that I feel like are, are related. And when you mentioned that, that kind of like gut churning email or text that comes from a manager that says, call me ASAP. I don't know if anyone's ever had like a family member send that to you. Your brain goes a thousand different directions really quickly. It's like, 
is someone hurt? Is someone dead? Or is the toilet overflowing? Like what happened that you're telling me to call you ASAP? Your brain can go a lot of different places. So I love that intentions aren't clear. People default to fear. So I, I, I think being intentional, being clear, Mugs, I think you put in the comment um, in the comments earlier about explaining the why to me and Keith, you mentioned that as well. I think really, really, really does help with that. Um, I know we have a, a, a few minutes or so. So um, what I would tell the kind of group here is if there's some specific questions you have for Keith, start thinking about them. Where Keith will probably have time to do one or two more questions, then I'm going to open it up to the group here to 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 ask some questions. We'll, we can come off mute. I can moderate them in the in the channel. Um, but a couple of things I think from a question perspective that I thought of. You mentioned this earlier. I think this ties into the ability to enroll, or at least that's how I interpret it. But I'm going to kind of jump ahead here to this question because I feel like I felt like this is what being a manager was when I first became a people leader um, years ago, which was I had to go solve the problems for my reps because ultimately the buck stopped with me. So I wanna kind of have you maybe dissect that a little bit from your experience, which is why is it important to avoid becoming the chief problem solver as a leader of people? Uh, so as you were sharing, I took a couple of uh, a couple of notes here, just in the spirit of making sure I'm being efficient uh, and don't have a senior moment and forget, of course. Um, no, I often find that uh, two things here. Number one, um, when managers say to me, you know, Keith, I'm all into coaching. I, I, I certainly want to support my team, and I know there's not a manager on this call who's not coming from a place of wanting to support their team, their people, the company partners, your customers, all right? But here's the problem, is that uh, when managers come to me and they say, and this goes back to driving your agenda, uh, what you're talking about before, Chris, when managers come to me and they say, you know, Keith, I'm having a really hard time coming up with the questions that drive the person to where I want them to be, that's not coaching. That's called manipulation. Okay, that's Jedi mind tricking people and nobody likes to be manipulated. So what does a manipulative question sound like or what I call a loaded leading question sound like? Could sound like this. Hey, uh, John, listen, wouldn't it be a good idea to call the customer and see what we need to do to deliver a compelling reason that's going to motivate them to call and motivate them to buy from us? And the salesperson's thinking, Wow, I'm so glad I thought of that, boss. That's a great idea. I'm, I thank you for that coaching. No, you had that solution all over that question. No one likes to be manipulated. And that is why it does not matter if you have the perfect answer. Doesn't matter. And it doesn't even matter that when you're coaching them, they even come up with a solution similar to yours or shockingly better. Because what people say they own and what they hear, they resist, period. So uh, be very careful of uh, realizing, wait a second, I'm, am I manipulating people by trying to drive them to my agenda, which is not the definition of coaching, or am I asking questions to which I may not know the answer to? Then you're coaching because then you're creating new possibilities.
Love that. Love that. Awesome. Awesome. Um, as we think about some of those things, and you mentioned this a little bit, but let's say you're doing everything right, right? I think you, you, you highlighted some of those things. What, and I'll, maybe I'll ask this of the group and you guys can raise your hands via, via the reaction here. How many of you have felt like your heart was in the right place and you went to maybe help somebody with a skill or something from a coaching perspective and people were just, the person was just flat out resistant to the coaching. They just didn't want it. They didn't want to hear it. Maybe it wasn't the right day to have that conversation with them, but you felt like you were coming from the right place. So I think one of the, one of the thoughts I have about that is, wow. you know, the question of what happens when people are resistant to coaching? Cause I think you, you kind of talked about a decision tree of two ways, right? Some people may just be resistant to coaching cause we're doing bad coaching, but what if we're doing coaching from the place of, Hey, you know what? I'm not trying to drive my agenda, I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help you get better or at least, help you solve for something that I feel like is part of me helping you get better. And I think this kind of ties into enrollment a little bit, but what happens to people when they're resistant to coaching? So let's, and you're saying going off the presupposition that your coaching is pretty good. So, uh, yeah. What do you guys think? Why would someone be resistant to coach? Yeah. Put it in the chat. Fear. Fear. Yes. Absolutely. So then, oh man, you guys nailed it already. Fear, lack of trust, had a bad coaching experience before, passed this, oh man, you guys are nailing this. I can't even read all the comments because they're all spot on. But that's the whole point. It's all based on prior experience or assumptions, okay? And that's why if someone is resistant to coaching from you, it may not be you. It's who you represent because they had a bad experience with the manager and now they're putting that face of that manager on you. So that's what they're assuming that they're going to be resistant to coaching and they're not going to share things with you because one of the other things that um, people are resistant to coaching is trust. If you don't have trust, you can't coach anyone. That's what I said earlier. You can just hear things, you know, uh, people are just telling me things that they think I want to hear. That, that, that's not trust at all. Um, and, and the root cause of all this fear, lack of trust, all comes down to the unknown. And the unknown is resolved by enrollment. Enrollment is the key to creating alignment in every conversation, okay? Regardless of who you're speaking with, because it shatters fear and it, 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 it positions you to take a stand for someone with positive intent. So when you have someone who's resistant to coaching, that's a conversation. And it could sound something like this, using the I'm sensing that statement. You know, um, uh, Jennifer, uh, I know we've had a few one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions and uh, you know, you're, you're, you're coming prepared and I appreciate that. Um, but I'm, I'm sensing that uh, there may be some reluctance to opening up a little more so we can even do better work so you can be more successful. Is there any truth to that? That's called the I'm sensing that statement. 
great tool for coaching, great tool for salespeople to uncover objections. I am sensing that is not saying, hey, everyone else on the team is open to coaching. Why aren't you? Well, if you're looking for a way to put people on the defensive, that's how you do it. Instead, put it on you. Put it on you. You know, my spider senses are tingling here. You know, you know, Jennifer, you know, I'm just kind of getting a sense that there might be some resistance to some of the, to, to the coaching and some of the questions I'm asking you. And is there any truth to that? Because maybe they're not. Maybe it might be off base. Now you're allowing that person to validate whether your feeling is true. Now you can get deeper and uncover the root cause and then move into what the situation is, which is, you know what? I had a bad experience before and you know what? Last time I was, I, I had coaching with a manager. They actually shared everything with HR and, and I'm like, why would I ever want to be coached if this is about uh, the HR compliance thing and you guys, you're going to report on me. Well, first of all, bad. Second of all, if there's one thing of several that I want for each of you to walk away with is this, never institutionalize coaching. Never. Because once you make it a compliance thing, people will resist it. That's another reason why people are reluctant to coaching. So how do you break it? You hit the reset button. You know, Mr. or Mrs. Kochi, um, you know, I, I know we talked a little before and, and I know you had a bad experience uh, being coached before. And you mentioned to me straight up, you weren't really, you know, interested in, in wanting to be coached. And I, and I could certainly understand that. Um, however, what I want for you, very empowering statement, what I want for you, there's coaching language, taking a stand for someone. What I want for you is to have a positive experience coaching and for you to see the value both personally and professionally in achieving what matters most to you. So I was hoping, and here's the language and I'll send this template, we can hit the reset button on our relationship so we can design it in a way where it's mutually beneficial. Guys, how cool is that? How cool is it that you know, the one quintessential saying that's global, you don't have, you don't have a second chance to make a first impression. I call BS on that. Yes, you do. Because if you messed up the first time, you can always say, you want to know, you know, John, you know, I was reflecting back on our last conversation and you know what? I think I owe you an apology. I think I said or did things that may have, um, may have upset you. And, uh, you know, I take responsibility for that. So I'd love to hit the reset button on that conversation and have it again. Are you up to it? Guys, the beautiful part about enrollment is you can always set and reset conversations, uncover people's individualities and motivations, and create that alignment so that everyone now is focused towards a shared vision because they see what's in it for them. Yeah, no, I love that. I, I love that. There was a lot of also great things that you mentioned there. I love the idea that you brought up about the I am sensing. Um, as you mentioned that, it actually made me think of um, a friend of mine several years ago. He and his wife were going through you know, just, just your standard couples therapy. And I'd asked him how one of the sessions had gone. And he had actually said, 
oh, we actually, I actually learned something that I never thought of before, but he goes, I realized I was doing this in a lot of my interactions with like my family even, which was, I would always lead conversations with you always do this or every time this is what happens. And what the therapist told them was that is instantly putting up the defense of the person because you're instilling, instilling this opinionated opinion based thing of, well, I don't do that every time, or I don't do that all the time. And what the therapist said is the, the way to have that in a disarming that feels like interaction can happen is exactly what you said, which is when this happens, I am sensing this or I'm feeling this way. And that is a much more conversational aspect. I love that you mentioned that. And it made me think of that when you talked about the I am sensing. Um, I also really, really, really liked what you said here about hitting that reset button, because I think most of us, I know I am, I'm living proof. And you can probably ask my wife, Stacy this, that if first impressions are all you get, you probably would be really have a lot of problems in your lives with uh, friends and family. So uh, I am living proof that uh, you get second chances or second first impressions. Um, so I love that idea of hitting the reset button. I also really liked something that you said about institutional coaching. The minute coaching feels like a task that I'm supposed to do because I carve out X amount of time each week with each one of you to do that. You kind of hit on it earlier, but I'm glad you reiterated that point. And that would almost be something I would challenge all of us here at GoTo to think about coaching, not as a, we talked about it not being an event, but I also think when it feels forced, it doesn't feel natural, right? It doesn't feel good. And I, I'm going to probably put up a wall and go, I'm going to, if I'm the individual contributor, I'm probably going to say, I'm going to just say yes to everything so I can get this over with as soon as possible because this doesn't feel good. So I love what you said there about that. Um, um, looking from a timing perspective, um, we probably have time for maybe uh, one or two more questions. But um, as I mentioned uh, to the crew here that's on from GoTo, um, we'll have you guys put start putting some in the chat and come off of mute. But uh, in one kind of final question, Keith, um, as we get ready for, from you from from the prescribed questions here, one of the things I think about is you know everyone on this call is going to take part in your transformational leadership workshops um, that we're going to be sending some more details out after this session um, from from Tara and I. But in thinking of this has been a ton of great information that you have shared. I feel like a lot of it's actionable things that we can do today. What would you recommend this group of go-to sales leaders can start doing now to help them prepare for those sessions that are coming up, things that they can start doing to help create more confidence, even in themselves and each one of us, um, as we get ready to kind of move into that more focused workshop type of environment. Okay. Aside from hiring a coach, or enrolling your manager around the coaching that you need, uh, I am going to share with you guys something you could do right now. And I baked this uh, and put this together with surgical precision because I got so tired of hearing from managers, I don't have time to coach. So I created what I used to call a 60 second coaching strategy. I don't know, you guys time it. And I'm from New York and I talk fast. It seems that it's a 30 second coaching strategy. So let me share with you this. Here is what it sounds like. Someone approaches you with a challenge, your typical day. You have a choice. You can go this way and be the chief problem solver and you'll be solving problems for that person their entire career. 
Or you can go this way and stop and ask a question. Just one question. And this is what it sounds like. And I'm going to send this template again to everyone. You know, Tim, I really appreciate you coming to me and I'm happy to share my opinion with you. So right off the bat, you're telling them they're going to get what they think they need. However, you're much closer to this situation than I am. And I trust you and I trust your judgment. So what's your opinion on how to move forward and handle this to achieve the results you want? 30 seconds, guys, maybe less. If you have time to give an answer, you have time to ask a question and coach. If you break that down, I'm happy. Thanks for coming. Acknowledge, trust. Um, you're much closer to the situation, acknowledging the fact that they are. And I trust you and I trust your judgment. What do you think that's going to do for their confidence? So what's your opinion? Ooh, great question on the screen. What's your opinion on, uh, on how to move forward? Guys, remember, if I keep saying coaching is, a, is based on a, a process of surgically choosing the language, notice that I said, what's your opinion? I didn't say, what's your answer, solution, strategy? Because answer, solutions, and strategies can be right or wrong. Opinions are never right or wrong. So they can't share with you, well, I don't know my opinion. No, you don't know your opinion. Everyone has an opinion. They're not right or wrong. Now, here's the thing, and I want to respond to the, to the, to the question in the chat. And, and Chris and Tara, before I forget, if, if these questions that are being recorded in the chat, um, feel free to, to aggregate them and send them to me, and I'll do my best to, to, to share a quick response to all of those, okay? Um, Absolutely. So, so now you're using the 60 second sales coach. When you ask an opinion, they have to give it to you. Now, one of the questions that an astute manager shared was, well, Keith, that sounds great, but what if they give you the wrong opinion? You're just going to let them go and hang themselves? Of course not. Okay. What we're going to do is then say, okay, let's walk through your solution together. Let's walk through your ideas together to ensure they achieve the results you want. So that satisfies the, okay, Keith, they gave me a fully baked answer. Let them run with it. They gave me a half baked answer. Some of it was good, some of it uh, not so strong. Coach them through it. They give you an answer that's not baked. They don't they didn't have the right ingredients probably or are not even in the kitchen. Same response. Thanks for sharing your opinion. I really appreciate that. Let's walk through your ideas together so that we can come up with the best solution that's going to help you achieve the results you want. You're not going to say, how long have you been on this job? Unless you want to erode trust. But by sharing that part one and part two, there's your coaching conversation in less than five minutes. So that's something that not only you can do the next time someone approaches you with a question, which will probably be in the next 30 minutes. And it's also something that your salespeople can do as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. I love that. And I think that incited some really good conversation here in the chat, uh, as well as some additional questions. So thank you. And I love that concept. I, I think that, really reiterated the point of the ability to, to, to treat 
not coaching as a planned event, but it's something that it happens in real time as people need it. I think it's a needs-based event versus a timed planned event. Uh, in some cases that may feel like what needs to happen, but I think that that was really, 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 really valid feedback. One thing I would also add, and maybe a second part to this question before we go to some of the audience questions. So please feel free to start putting your questions in the chat. Uh, we'll have some time for audience Q and A. Um, and as a reminder, as a general reminder, um, once we do wrap uh, with Q and A here with, uh, with with Keith, there's a few other last minute items um, that we want to tee everyone up with. So don't jump off uh, right at, as soon as we wrap with Keith. There's a few things we wanted to cover with you guys that we think will be uh, super helpful and relevant in terms of resources and some other things that will be available to you from the overall programming that we started uh, yesterday. But um, you mentioned um, in terms of some of the things that I think uh, in terms of preparation. Um, I know you specifically have some really great resources that we're going to share with everyone. Any, any, any highlights of, um, you just recently did a really uh, powerful LinkedIn learning that we actually have access to for everyone. And we would highly recommend, um, any highlights that you could say that, um, you feel like would help prepare them as they get ready for some of those sessions and things you would call out. Um, cause we do have those resources for everyone to take advantage of and access. Yeah, I think the greatest resource that you guys have is right here in this room. Uh, look to your left, look to your right. You guys got coaches all around you. The one thing that I see literally, and it's, it's interesting, Chris, and, I, and I'm just like you, when people use the words always and never, it is, it, that's an impossibility and it puts people right on the defensive. But <clears throat> when it comes to, first of all, removing the coaching um, roadblocks, that's another enrollment conversation. That's hitting the reset button and, and let's talk about what good coaching would look like. In terms of uh, what, uh, what we can do now, we talked about the uh, hitting the reset button. Uh, and then uh, in terms of your last question, uh, Chris, I wanna make sure I answer it succinctly. Could you, could you just throw that question at me again? Yeah, um, you you recently launched. Um, you recently had a, a LinkedIn Live, a LinkedIn Learning that I thought was really, really, really well done. Um, we actually do have that as a resource for everyone on this call to take advantage of. Any 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 highlights or things that you would highlight? I think for me, I think it really helped me as I thought about getting ready to go into the the, the transformational leadership workshops. Anything you want to highlight from those resources that you feel like would help as people get ready for that from here at GoTo. I think, I think number one, as I shared before, um, there's a lot of intellectual capital on this call. Um, reach out to your peers. Many people here feel you're going through this, this, all this stuff alone. I promise you're not. And one of the things that we're actually going to be doing proactively is pair you up with an accountability partner so that in between our sessions, you get to work with a peer on getting great coaching, on giving great coaching and also being held accountable for what you said you're going to do. And by the way, guys, oh my God, more homework? No, this is stuff you need to be doing as a leader anyway. So first thing, peer-to-peer -peer coaching. Second thing, start using the 60-second coaching strategy immediately. Uh, third thing, when it comes to enrollment, remember, if you're having a conversation with someone and you are initiating it and it does not go the way you want or there is resistance, 
it means one thing. You didn't enroll them. So you can always go back and say, okay, there was resistance there. How can I re-enroll them? Because you can always go back and reset every conversation. So uh, I think the final thing that I would want to share, uh, you'll be getting the resources from me. Make sure we are connected, uh, Twitter, definitely on LinkedIn, because I'm always posting new resources on LinkedIn as well. Uh, the other thing that I'll be sharing with you, um, it, uh, and Chris didn't know this, so I'm going to share it now and take a note. Uh, with the um, session that I just did, I actually have a handbook. So I'm going to send that to everyone as well. So you're going to have basically a, a, uh, a condensed cliff notes of the coaching framework, of enrollment, of the conversations you need to have many of which we talked about, it's going to be right there in the document. Okay. So, um, let's see, Chris, are we missing anything? No, I think this is great. Um, no, these, these are all great resources and all things. Once again, we'll, 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 once we wrap, uh, uh, between some of the questions, we're going to actually talk about, uh, some of the resources that we do have available to you and how you can access those as well as some next steps. So I think that's great. Um, we have a couple minutes. We've had some good questions come through the chat. Um, one of which um, I think is a very, very, very real question that I think I, I know I I would have loved guidance on as a, especially as a sales leader of frontline people who have quotas. And I think whether you're a BDR manager, an AE manager, an SE manager, a partner channel manager, there are a lot of things that come up that I think is related to what is the difference and how do you manage the difference between knowing there is a quota and activities that need to happen in terms of, hey, we need to hit a number with siloing that against the concept of there is also coaching. And I think one of the things our group talked about yesterday was a deals to go call is not a necessarily a one-on-one -on -one type of coaching conversation. Not that you can't coach in those, but any any guidance you could give on balancing those uh, types of differentiating types of conversations. I'm sorry, I, someone jumped in I, uh, off mute. If you can mute yourself, I missed that last part. I'm sorry, Chris, can you repeat that? No, no, no problem, no problem. Yeah, I, it, it was a great question. So, So basically, we have numbers, we have quotas we have to hit. How do we balance having a quota? Are you doing the things I need conversation with coaching? Ah, got it. So is this about enrolling people in achieving their quota? I, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. While still knowing that there's still coaching that's happening. Okay. And are there some instances where there might be some reluctance to people achieving their quota? I don't think it's necessarily reluctance. I think it's more of just balancing the conversation of how do I have that forecasting conversation? How do I, how do we have a metrics kind of, this is what you, we need to hit for the quarter versus individual skilling type. What are you hoping to, what do I want for you? What do I think is great for you? What do you want out of this type of conversation? Yeah. This is the reason why I, I, I find performance reviews to be a waste of time because it actually is an oxymoron, uh, performance review. Uh, someone in the chat asked a great question. Um, how do you know if someone's coachable or not? Uh, 
you know someone's coachable and not very simple. If they have one desire to change for the better, then they are coachable. That desire may vary for each person, but it's up to the coach to uncover that part in their life, in their business, that they would love to work on or improve or achieve. So to me, most people, 99% of people are coachable. Of course, there are people that aren't coachable. But I can tell you right now, the people on your team, every one of them has to be coachable. So what I suggest is uncovering that one thing, that one desire, that, and that's something that we'll be talking about in the future on how do you uncover individuality? How do you uncover people's hot buttons? How do you uncover their core values and, and motivators and what inspires them? How else can you motivate people if you don't know those things? And if you think you know them, I'm telling you now, you're assuming them. Uh, so that was, the, that was the question I just wanted to throw out in terms of coachability. Uh, in terms of, Chris, your last question, uh, which was, uh, Remind me again the last part so I could just wrap that up. I actually, I actually think you nailed it. That was actually the last point was, I, and as you mentioned something, it made me think of something that you, you said about the performance reviews. If performance reviews are the first time you are bringing up things, that's the first time someone on your team is hearing feedback from you on those things. We missed something way in the way previously in terms of coaching and helping them. So I, I love that you mentioned that from that perspective. And I think that to me is super, super, super relevant, right? Those, those are performance reviews should be, those are things we've already talked about. Those are things we've already been coaching against. It's not a perform, performance review to your point earlier to me is not an event. Uh, right. If it becomes an event, it gets treated like that. It's happening all the time. As, if you're at a point where you're doing a performance review, think about this now because we're, we're all fairly logical people, right? So let's think through this from a logical perspective for a second. You're not coaching consistently. AB, ABCs of leadership, always be coaching. Every conversation, right? A quarter goes by, you're now going to do a performance review. How do you do a performance review? Okay, well, let's check your activity and let's check your results. My friends, that is not a performance review. That is a result review. If you wanna have a true performance review, it requires you actually understanding how they perform. And the last time I checked, the only way any coach can assess how a player performs is by observing them. So to bring this home, you have no clue what your people are doing if you're not observing them and you're not going to find that on a spreadsheet. Exactly. Exactly. And I love that. I, I, I absolutely love that. You're not going to find it on a spreadsheet line. Yeah. I think and to, by to the, the way, to another point. question, uh, Chris, that popped up, which is how do you coach the, the veteran rep, the senior rep? Um, you don't have to be better than your people. Think about, you know, coaches and you know, basketball coaches, right? They're not always better football coaches. They're not always better than their players. Most of the time they're not. Okay. You don't have to be better than your players. You just have to be really good at observation because even the 
best players, the best athletes in the world, when the coach is on the sidelines, they're still finding things where that top, top world-class player can improve. Guess what? Yep. There are things that your top, top B player, even C's, that they can improve, but you're not going to know, you recognize them unless you don't observe them. Okay. And, and if we don't observe them, we're making assumptions. Okay. Because when your players, when your salespeople, when they're playing to win, when they're on a call, they're not playing to win and self-diagnosing at the same time. They can't do that. Okay. That's why right. when you're observing a top performer, you will find blind spots that they didn't see themselves. And that's how you coach a top performer. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. As you mentioned that, it always made me think of that. Uh, and just from a timing perspective, um, any questions that we didn't necessarily get to um, in this chat, we're going to aggregate them, like Keith said, we'll make sure we have opportunity. Um, so we have time to, to, to transition to, to the next part of the program here. But one of the things in closing, as you mentioned, Keith, about that, and it was a great question by Mark, I think, that asked that in the chat, right? What your seniors is um, I remember hearing it from a coaching conversation early on in my career. One of the that we had a, a top performing rep on our team who basically wasn't showing up at like team calls. He showed up late every day because he had an early tea time, but he always hit his number. And I specifically remember thinking, well, that's not fair. And I remember um, we had a manager that struggled to manage that whole situation. And, and eventually they brought in a new manager and all of a sudden this person started showing up and doing all the same things that everyone was doing. And it made me think of, and the, the reference that was used was if you think about guys like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, all of them were theoretically better than any coach that they had, but they didn't start winning until they got a really good coach. They all started to win titles after they brought in the consummate coach, which was Phil Jackson. He came in as a coach and brought a culture of let me help you just because you can sell a lot of deals or make a lot of baskets doesn't mean you don't need coaching. We all do. Everyone does. And we all do it. Tiger Woods has a golf coach. He's the best golfer around. Well, some people might argue with me on that, but he has a golf coach. We all have things that we need to get better at. So Keith, um, in closing, I want to say thank you so much for this session. Oh, I took, you. I have pages and pages of notes of things that I've been taking about um, things that I know I could get better at. Um, so I, I appreciate this. Also got me really excited for the leadership, a uh, transformational leadership workshop that we will be having coming up. As I mentioned, uh, Tara and I will be getting invites out to everyone. Um, we'll, we'll confirm some of those dates as we move forward. Um, but with that, one final thank you, Keith, uh, before we hand it back over to Tara. Thank you so much for, for the time today. This has been, uh, once again, extremely informative and, and very beneficial. Thank you to everyone who's been able to uh, put information in the chat and be engaged. Uh, this has been super, super beneficial. So thank you very much. Tara, back thank over you. to you. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Tara. Uh, you already uh, did all the thanking for me. So I, I want to thank everyone for being on this call. I know how busy everyone is. And I always admire the leaders that are truly committed uh, to being here. It's a testament to your growth and to your commitment to your team, to your company, uh, and to yourself. So I just want to leave this final thought here as a mindset of what the best companies are thinking. People create the mindset. Mindset shapes behavior. Behavior defines culture and culture 
determines success. And that is why the primary objective of every organization is to make your people and your customers more valuable every day. So thank you all on that note. Hopefully you've all become more valuable with what you've learned that you could then transfer to your people and to your customers. Thanks for your openness and for your coachability. And I look forward to reconnecting with you soon. Thanks again, everyone. Always be coaching. Thanks, Keith. Thanks, Keith. Awesome. As Chris mentioned, we are really excited